Well, it's good to be home. I like my new job and the district's being nice to me, but I really miss you. I miss being here. And I wanna thank you for just being my family still. So uh, this morning, I don't wanna take a lot of time reflecting. I wanna jump into the word. And uh, the DNA of who we are, you're each week having something different that defines who Westchester Nazarene. Today, it is scripture. We are scripture. And I'm going to share some things that sound discouraging. My task is not to discourage you, but to challenge you this morning. And so um, I, I hope you will understand the importance of Scripture, every person here. So um, I've been reading a book, brand new book. It's one of the cool things about this job is they send me brand new books. And so I start reading some and go, eh, and others I think, this one's pretty good. And the latest one I read this week is called Health, Happiness, and Holiness. Health, Happiness, and Holiness. And I, I think um, all people are concerned about two of those, but not very many people are concerned about the third one. Um, in fact, I might say that I think people are concerned more about happiness than healthiness. That sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? I remember reading in Yancey's book, uh, Fearfully and Wonderfully Made, that about 80% of the time when a doctor says, you need to discontinue this bad habit or you will die, 80% of the time, people don't stop. They are so addicted to these behaviors that they continue, even knowing it's going to cost them their life. So I think people are more concerned about happiness than health, and happiness and health than holiness. And while I say we are scripture, we are striving to be a holy people. This is a holiness church. No, no apologies. The task of this church is not just to be saved, but to be sanctified holy, to have a pure heart, to know that at this moment I am walking with Jesus in the fullness of his love and his life. And so I think the only way that we're going to get there to be holy people is to understand his holy word. So here we go, um, health, happiness, and holiness. Uh, these are great times, aren't they? I, I think most people are more comfortable than they've ever been. Um, we don't do very well. Like, like I, the little bit older I get, I, I don't do so well without air conditioning. I've really kind of gotten spoiled to air conditioning. Um, we're comfortable people. I, I understand the word discretionary income really was a brand new word in the 1960s because before that almost nobody had any. I remember my family, Marty and Kathy and my dad and my mom, Pops and my mom, we would get in the car because we weren't so busy and we would go to Dolan's Drive-In or the Fairview and we would buy two milkshakes and share them among five people. They were a quarter, but we just didn't have five quarters, and we weren't poor. But uh, we have more discretionary income than we've ever had, and that's not all bad. Technology. Can you keep up with technology? I, just, I always like to laugh at myself. It's kind of, might as well. 
I went over to the office early this morning and, and I thought I would copy this piece of scripture that I'm going to be sharing from because I really don't like to use those reading glasses. So I, I put it on the copier and I got it up to 125% and it copied the wrong page. <laughs> and so I turned it and it copied that page still. And so I moved it over in the center and it copied the other side. And I moved it to the other uh, nine times. <laughs> and I threw the f nine sheets of paper in someone else's garbage can so they wouldn't think I was wasteful. <laughs> I haven't changed much. So we'll see if I can uh, read this today. <laughs> times of technology, times of potential. Um, I know it's not easy to make it, but did you know there are people making tons of money doing crazy things that we never thought of. And so, so these are great times. Comfort, discretionary income, technology, potentials. But I also want to tell you these are really, really tough times. Did you know that? Um, I sat in a doctor's office, I think it was Thursday afternoon, and they had one of these two foot by three foot screens and it just kept you know, moving and telling me different things. And so I had to wait about 20 minutes for the doctor. I learned a lot in 20 minutes. I learned that one out of two men will have cancer in their lifetime, one out of three ladies. Didn't know that. I learned a whole lot about diabetes. I heard, learned a whole lot. And do you know, I think people live longer than they have, but I don't think they enjoy life as much as they used to. So, um, wow, these are tough times. I heard on the news just last night that in the state of Ohio, one-third more than last year will take their own life. Uh, in the United States, it's, it's 25%, but in Ohio, it's 33%. I went, wow, what's the deal? Uh, there is more depression than there has ever been. You probably understand this. There are more shootings in our community, not in Los Angeles or New York. Every day there is at least one, and I think one day this week there were five. Uh, people don't seem to be very happy or very healthy. So, um, one of the other books that I've read is uh, a book called The Great Evangelical Recession. It's by a guy named John Dickerson. He is the pastor of Cornerstone Evangelical Church. We prayed for them this morning in Prescott, Arizona. Here is the, here is the one, one paragraph that tries to get you to read his book. And so instead of reading the whole book to you, I thought I'd read the one paragraph. In 2006, few Americans were expecting the economy to collapse like it did in 2008. Today, the American church is in similar position on the pre precipice of great spiritual reception. While the focus on a few large churches and dynamic leaders are successful, the church's membership, not Church of the Nazarene, the church's membership is shrinking quickly. Young Christians, please, young Christians are fleeing the church. Please stay. Please help us make changes. Please help us to be a younger church. Our donations are drying up. I think you had a good year, so all of these things don't pertain to you. 
um, political fervor is dividing people. Once friendly host culture, the United States of America, is quickly turning hostile and antagonistic. Wow. These are tough times in our culture and in our church. So I, I found some more. While I'm working on that, I might as well get to you. The, uh, and all of these statistics are from the Pew Research or from the Barna Research Companies. In 2010, 2012, 46% of people said, my church causes no life change in me. 61% said, I learned I have no insights when I go to church. I have no new insights. Nothing challenged me. Uh, David Graves, one of our general superintendents that many of you know, 21% um, of people who attend church, not all people, people who attend church, read their Bible. 79% of people that go to church don't read their Bible. Are you ready for this? This is, this is shaking. 0% of those people read their Bible more than four times a week. Now you're saying, I do, praise the Lord. But you are a part of 0%. We didn't even get it to one. Uh, the Bible is being left out. We are illiterate. Okay, my job. I work with districts. There are 78 districts in the United States and Canada. Uh, seven of 78 districts will have an increase of membership last year. Seven of 78. We did not. And 10 of 78 districts will experience an increase in worship and we did not and the one that really just is unbelievable of people that say they attend church they attend church 1.4 times a month not even half 1.4 times a month Whew. Pew Research says there are 246 million Christians in the United States, 40% Protestant, 20% Catholic. But when you really look at those and you factor in their attention to Scripture, it is believed that less than 7 to 9% of the people in the United States are truly Christian. Now, I know it's hard to judge and all of that, but if we say the Word of God is the heart of who we are, and you start using that as a criteria, there are seven to nine, not even one in ten. You've probably heard me say this before. Do you know that in your neighborhood, unless you are in a different neighborhood, 70% of your neighbors do not attend church? You need a mission field? Next door. 70% of people in your neighborhood do not attend church. Wow. Scripture is a necessity. Without Scripture, we're in deep, deep trouble. We are dependent on God's Word. So let's, let's go back to Healthy, Happy, and Holy by Joe Gorman. Things don't happen by accident. Did you know that? Health doesn't happen by accident. It takes practice to be healthy. You want an example? I dare you this week to run a marathon. It takes practice. 
It takes a whole lot of practice. I remember once I lived in Nashville, and there is a Nashville marathon, and I was running three miles every morning at that time, and I thought, I'm not going to go run the marathon and embarrass myself, but this morning, instead of running three miles, I'm just going to run a long way. I ran seven miles that morning and couldn't move for about three days. <laughs> and that was 20 years ago. It takes practice to be healthy. Did you know that? On the screen in the doctor's office this week, it, it said you need 15 hours of elevated heart rate and you need 15 hours of intense activity to be healthy. It takes practice. Doesn't happen by accident. Happiness doesn't just happen. Isn't that true? Do you just wake up in the morning and go, wow? <laughs> if you do, <laughs> Check the medicine cabinet, do something. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. You, we, we, I'm sorry, I'm a very optimistic, positive person, but we don't usually just go. There aren't that many people like that. Most people are a little on the grumpy side, except for your spouse, I'm sure. Um, so happiness just doesn't happen. It's a choice. It's a discipline. You can watch the news and go to bed depressed, or you can say, I watch the news, but I don't let it bother me, especially the sports report these days. <laughs> they get paid a lot of money. I don't feel sorry for them. And I, I hope they win on the night that you go to the ball game, but odds are. <laughs> Happiness doesn't just happen. It's a choice. It's a discipline. Uh, here are some other things that take practice. Have you ever thought, I wish I could speak a different language? You just go to that country and you go, and it doesn't happen. It's a lot of work to learn a new language, even if you have some computer deal that's supposed to make it a lot faster. It takes practice to learn a language. Oh, playing the piano. I, I could be a great example of this. I could walk over there and sit down and go like this, smile and say, what would you like to hear? And I couldn't play anything you'd like to hear. It takes practice. I practiced for four to five years and my piano teacher said, you might want to stop. <laughs> she really did, see, because I had to miss a basketball game because I hadn't practiced my quota that week and basketball was more important to me than the piano. So when my teacher gave me the out, I went and said to my mother, mother, I think that I, my teacher said, and I was done with the piano. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. I wasn't very wise or mature, but it takes practice to do things. Guess what? Holiness doesn't just happen. Did, did any of you come to an altar? Did any of you kneel by your bed? Did any of you make a decision? I repent of my sins. I turn my life to Jesus Christ. And immediately you never had another bad thought. And immediately you said, I want the Bible. And immediately you said, I'm never going to miss church again. And immediately you became this holy person. It doesn't just happen. Uh, one of my very good friends had lunch with last week, and we were talking about it. And he said, uh, man, I haven't been to church very much for a long time. And he, and he said, my daughter's in a soccer program, and they play at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. And so I've missed church for about three months. 
And he said, Pastor Bob, would you pray with me about this? Because I, I really do want the most important things to be most important. Now, I love sports. Are they more important than you or your children being holy? We're going to get there in just a minute. Holiness doesn't just happen. So do you have life rules? Joe Gorman in his book says we need life rules. Have you got a list of life rules? Can you pull them out of your wallet or even in the notes on your phone? That These are my life rules. Most people don't, but yeah, you do. Um, you need physical rules. Physical rules. Um, here, here's what the book says. You need rest. Anyone want to yawn and say, I agree? You need play. Yeah, you do. You need sleep. But I can't. You need exercise. And number five started with a D, but I changed it to you need to eat well. Or you need to eat better. That four-letter word that starts with die, D-I, I don't like that word. So you need physical rules. You know traffic rules, don't you? you I hope you do. Or you're having tough weeks. I'll never forget when my little girl Bethany got her driver's license and, and I got in the passenger seat and, and we were celebrating and we were going somewhere on I-75 and, and I love Bethany and she's absolutely phenomenal. But this is just one of those crazy things. We were right on Tylersville Road and we got right across I-75. She turned on her left turn signal just perfectly. The light was red and she kind of stopped and then she started to turn left in front of oncoming traffic. And I said, ah! <laughs> and she said, Dad, you can turn left on red. <laughs> I, I didn't know that. It doesn't work for me. You know traffic rules. You practice hygiene rules. I hope. I hope, I hope. You have professional or work ethics, don't you? If you don't, you might not have a job. We kind of learn what we have to do. So you do, you have life rules. Well. You need spiritual rules. And I'm just going to give you four this morning. Going to end with the biggie. But here are four. You need to practice Sabbath. Now, I'm not just saying you need to go to church. If you run into church this morning, and as soon as I'm done, you run out of church and go start working and being busy, you've missed God's idea of Sabbath. Yes, it includes worship. But it includes taking one day a week and saying, this is the Lord's day. It's not mine. And I'm going to allow my body to renew. And I'll tell you, I struggle with that because I have to work on Sundays. And, and, I and I usually take Thursday off, but guess what? There are a whole lot of meetings on Thursdays. It's hard to practice Sabbath, but you need to practice Sabbath. Put that on your life rules and say, I'm not going to mess that one up this year. Number two, you need to renew your mind. 
If you don't work on renewing your mind, it'll be an ugly thing. It'll think bad thoughts. It'll get you into trouble. Garbage in, garbage out. You need to renew your mind. And we're going to talk about how you do that. Number three, you need a life of prayer. And I'm not talking about so many minutes a day. You need to speak to the Lord. And I think the place that most Christians have the toughest time is we need to listen to the Lord. I think we would be better off if we listened more than we spoke in prayer. We're in such a hurry. We, we got these quick prayers down. You know, I mean, every night we know we're going to pray for 11 grandkids and three kids and their spouses, wonderful spouses, and we're going to pray for people that we know that are ill, and we're going to pray for a lot of you, and every night we pray. But we don't listen enough. There need to be times in your life where you say, you know, I'm going to go somewhere and get away, and I'm just going to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to do my best to keep everything else out, and I'm going to listen to you. When was the last time you sensed the Lord telling you something? When was the last time you really, really listened to the Lord? And number four, Scripture. Scripture. Wow. This, I think this is big. This is as big as prayer. This is huge. Um, why don't we do scripture? Why don't we worship? Do you know what the three main answers are for why we don't worship and why do we don't spend time becoming holy? Number one is sports. I mean, you know, it's got to be practice. It's got to be games. There's always, I imagine if you went across the street and about four-tenths of a mile over, I imagine there are two or 3,000 people over on those soccer fields on Sunday morning. That's, I mean, it's real these days. Sports are number one reason. Number two, and this probably doesn't affirm us, but declining age and declining areas. Uh, worship is down because our area is going down. I, I hear this on our district. In rural, rural areas, well, how can, you have a, how can you have a growing church in an area that is dying? Did you know there are? Did you know that God can do that? <laughs> Where it seems impossible, God, all things are possible. And number three, are you ready for this one? This is, this is kind of ours. Um, well, we are faithful. We're just not fruitful. We're faithful. Well, the last time I read John 15, 2, it says he cuts off every branch that bears no fruit. John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Remain in I, and you will bear much fruit. John 15, 8, this is my Father's will. Bear much fruit and be my disciple. Faithfulness, yes. Fruitfulness, yes. We can't get so comfortable that we say, read my Bible this week, said my prayers this week, went to church this week, didn't do anything really bad. Ding. 
uh, we are expected to bear fruit. Um, beside your life rules, do you have a list of people that need Jesus? Do you pray for him a lot? I made a phone call on Friday, a guy that I was going to eat lunch with a few weeks ago and ended up having a funeral and, ha and just in the busyness of life, haven't gotten back to that guy. So I, I called him Friday afternoon at 4.30 and I said, hey man, I'm sorry I haven't gotten back to you. We need to do lunch. And I love lunch. And I love that friend. But I need to be fruitful. I need to have a list of folks that I want to be a part of them coming to know Jesus. And that's important. So, um, fruitfulness. Okay, so, here I've talked so much about scripture, now we're going to jump in. And it's 1137, so I'm hoping this takes not very long. Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Do you know anything about one, Psalm 119? It is the longest chapter in the Bible. Do you know the shortest? Psalm 117. So whoever wrote 117 made up for it in 119. 176 verses. I'll bet none of you have that one memorized. It's pretty interesting because every grouping of thoughts, there are, there are eight lines now, if you figure out, it's got a 176 verses. We didn't do very well when we put chapter and verse headings in this one. But, but there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, and each eight lines in this poetry start with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet in order. So if you want to write scripture and you speak English, you can say, okay, I'm going to have 26 thoughts. And I'm going to have, let's just say you don't want to do 176. I'm going to have four lines for every, and you would start with A, and then you'd go to B. Do you need more help? C, D. So in the Hebrew alphabet, it starts with there are eight lines from Aleph, the first letter in the Hebrew alphabet. The second one is Beth. And so I'm, going to, I'm just going to hang out in Beth today, which is Psalm 119, beginning in verse 9. Okay? Uh, it's kind of fun. Uh, being a pastor here for 15 plus years is great stuff, and I have wonderful memories, but sometimes I open up my Bible and I have little inscriptions. And so by Psalm 119.9, it says, Dedication of Mason Ponshot, December 18th, 2011. That's, that's good stuff. Saw, saw Mason, play, Mason play baseball yesterday. Did a fine job. But here it is. Are you ready? This is the text that I gave for Mason's life. How can a young man keep his way pure? Answer. By living according to your word. Isn't that simple? This is scripture. By the way, we have no idea who wrote Psalm 119. There is no superscription. But it is great text. In fact, let me go just a little bit further. There are these eight lines for each of the alphabetical orders. And there are basically eight important terms in this 119th Psalm. Here are the eight words. Law, decrees, statutes, commandments, 
ordinances, word, precepts, and promises. And you know what? All of those are what Scripture is. There are three other words that if you're looking at your text, they've been translated different ways, and those are ways, paths, and faithfulness. But all of these come back to those eight words, and they are all really talking about the word of the Lord, the commandments of our God, the precepts of how we live life. It's all about scripture. So how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. So when you tuck your little boys and girls in at night, I trust you do that. I trust you pray with them. Is the word a part of it? Do you want them to be holy? What about your high school kids? Does your family have a time that the word of God is talked about? Because if, if we aren't teaching our children the word of God, odds are they're not going to be holy. Pretty simple, isn't it? How does a young man keep his way pure? By living according to the word. Here's the next verse, verse 10. I seek you with all of my heart. Do not, do not let me stray from your commands. If I seek the Lord with all of my heart, I've got to know what the commands are. I've got to know how to get it right. Uh, this morning, uh, Alex preached about six hours ago in the Ukraine. He was really open to have about two weeks off without preaching, and they let him know that he was preaching both weeks. And he is with Scott Rainey. Maybe you remember Scott from about a year ago. Well, I, uh, Scott Rainey went to the Pisgah Church of the Nazarene when he was in junior high. And so he was at a southwestern Ohio youth camp, and I happened to be that year the speaker for the youth camp. And Scott Rainey told me, the one thing I remember about you, and you've heard me say this, you get probably tired of those old stories, I always want to please my mother and my pops. And so I had to know what pleases my parents. And my dad's been gone 28 years, and just for your prayers, my mom's probably within a couple weeks. They called us on Monday and said she's sleeping about all the time. She turned 96 at the end of April, so she didn't get cheated in life. But it uh, won't be long till we'll be having a memorial service for my wonderful mother. But Scott Rainey says, the thing I remember that you said was, your dad didn't like, this is just a me thing, it's not you, I'm not into hair. It's a good thing because I'm losing it. But uh, my dad didn't like hair touching ears for men, for boys. And so I made a promise to myself and to my dad that I would never have hair touching my ears. Now you're thinking, that's silly. Well, maybe it is to you, but if that's what pleases my pops, that's the way I'm living. Do you hear me? I know what is important to my dad, even 20 years later, 28 years later, and I want to live to please my father. I have to know. I have to know what he expects of me, what he wants of me. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. And then in verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've hidden your word in my heart. Uh, I'm, you know my friend Jim Miller? And, and uh, on Wednesday, 
I'm sorry, but I went to his concert and didn't come to prayer meeting. And um, Jim was just carrying on like crazy, dangerous Jim does. And um, he said, do any of you have a request? And I thought, I'm going to request, we'll girdle the globe together. Do you remember that old song, Four Hymnals Ago? Well, it's a real song. It's a mission song. I'm guessing Jim didn't know that one. I didn't do that. I didn't, didn't want to embarrass him or put him on the spot. So I leaned over to his dad, Jim Miller Sr., and I said, how many songs do they know to take requests? And he said, I think they know about 120 songs. The whole band, the guitars and the drums and the trumpets and the trombones and the saxophone, they have a repertoire of about 120 songs. That's a lot. They don't even need music for it. 120 of them. Then I started thinking. Um, my first eight years out of college, I sold furniture. And um, I uh, had to carry a big bag of fabrics because we offered over 600 fabrics and we had all of these furniture frames, sofas, love seats, chairs, recliners, hide-a-beds, and, and ottomans. And so um, there were, I don't, I don't remember how many frames there were, but do you know in eight years, I could tell you a quarter of a million options to order furniture? You see, what I had to do was I had to learn all of the frame styles, 8847, 8747, 8847 87 is a love seat, 8287 is a high back chair, 8087 is a low back chair, and 8107 was a, well, 87 was the ottoman. And then I knew all of the fabrics. Uh, this is meant to impress people. I was in a board meeting earlier this week and we sat down on these church chairs and um, I said, just thought you might want to know, we are sitting on 251611 tonight. <laughs> and they went, what? Well, 25 is the Chatham Mill. 16 was the 16th fabric of Chatham in the Norwalk furniture line. And 11 was the color. And so easy, I, I knew over 600 fabrics by heart. Now, this is a new fabric, so I cannot tell you what this fabric is. That was 34 years ago, and we didn't have this one 34 years ago. But isn't that crazy? If you're interested in ordering a love seat in one of 600 and some covers, I, can, I, can, I know what that one is. It may not be important to you, but in my brain are over 600 six-digit fabric numbers. I can't even copy an enlarged print on a copier. <laughs> We learn crazy stuff. Do you know the commands? Do you know the precepts? Do you know what our Lord expects? Do you know biblical principles? Do you know how to live your life to please the Lord? That's what this is all talking about. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. How much scripture is hidden in your heart? I was interviewing a pastor for one of our churches, and it was really kind of funny. They, they were a church that was excellent in Bible quizzing. And so I knew that these people on that board had probably memorized several books of the Bible that were the books for that year. And so one of them said something about um, 
Do you happen to have the book of John memorized? Are you kidding? And he goes, well, yeah, but I have it memorized in the Greek. You probably wouldn't recognize it. I would have checked him on it, but I don't have it memorized in the Greek, so I couldn't. Uh, do you have his word hidden in your heart? Well, and then here's the last one, verse 16. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Isn't that good? I delight in the decrees of our Lord. I will not neglect it. I won't go without it. This is life to me. This is principle of life to me. I, I just, I, I looked at some of the others that are pretty important, you know, and, and, um, and it, it taught, there are a whole lot of them that reference like this in, in the 105th verse. It says, uh, thy word is a light into, lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You've heard that. That was a, remember going to Bible school? It starts tonight. We, we had the pledge to the American flag, the pledge to the Christian flag, and the pledge to the Bible. Um, there are a lot of these scriptures that talk about how important the word of God is. How can we be holy? The word of God. Worship, Sabbath, prayer. If you want to be holy, those have to be hallmarks in your life. It doesn't just happen. Hey, I got saved 23 years ago. Are you holy yet? What have you done to get there? Holiness requires the word of the Lord in you in you, and not just a head knowledge, in you. How can we be holy? A life centered in Scripture, daily filling the Holy Spirit. Now, you've covered that one, I hope, a couple weeks ago at Pentecost. But if you're reading Scripture, the Holy Spirit is gone. He's lighting it up for you. He's installing it in you. He's helping you to get what God wants. How can you be holy? Scripture and the daily infilling of the Holy Spirit. You will be holy. Are you healthy? Are you happy? Are you holy? For goodness sake, that's who we are. The DNA of Westchester Nazarene. I think it's healthy. I think it, we do eat a lot. I think it's happy. It is, isn't it, Chris? And it's holy. It's who we are. And the way we get there is Scripture and the Holy Spirit.